Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. Like PeterReport.com. With me today is the wonderful Paul Atwell, also from PeterReport.com, to break down this Bucks offense, what it might look like moving forward, what changes need to occur and be made. Are changes coming? We'll talk about Byron Leftwich and the saga that will not end in Jacksonville. We'll talk about what it might look like for Bruce Arians to take back over play calling responsibilities this upcoming season if Leftwich were to depart. And some of the ways that the Bucks' offense, good as it is and great as it's been, might need to grow to take the next step in their involvement to overcome some of the other tougher teams in the NFC. So excited to get into all of that. Paul, how's it going? Pretty well, John. How are you? Good. I see you rocking the Peter Report shirt. Scott's yes, going to be mad at me. I forgot about that. Just rocking some weird yellow bright shirt on the spot. <laughs> so. Oh, well, people's eyes will just have to get used to it, but uh, I do appreciate you joining me today. It's going to be a lot to break down, going to be a fun show, and it's all going to be brought to us by our friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I'm rocking the peach vibe here. If you don't know, Celsius also comes in a variety of flavors. Peach vibe is just one of those outstanding flavors. They've also got Fuji apple pear, strawberry guava, wildberry, orange, tropical vibe, orangesicle. There's so many. And they're all good. That's just the truth, folks. They're all good. And so make sure you check out Celsius.com. You can click on the banner ads over at PeterReport.com. Or you can also uh, go to Celsius and use the store locator. Find out where they sell Celsius near you. The best energy drink out there, folks. No sugar and amazing taste. Hard to find. And I would be remiss if I also did not mention the fast protein bars right now, which are 20% off. You can get these protein bars 20% off right now. And they are the best tasting protein bars that are out there. The white chocolate cookies and cream and the caramel peanut crunch, both are outstanding. Can't recommend them enough. Definitely check those out and get yourself some of the best protein bars that are out there. 20 grams of protein in these things, almost no sugar. I mean, they're really great stuff for you too. And so uh, if you're looking for a good protein bar, that's the way to go for sure is uh, the fast protein bars. And you can click the link in the YouTube description below. 20 fast start is the promo code for those. Make sure you use that and get yourself some of those. They're tasty, man. I'm telling you, they, they'll replace sweets for you. I'm, I'm not kidding with you. Like that's literally what they've done. Um, and, and they're, they replace meals when you need them to as well. So make sure you check those out. It's great offer, great opportunity available to you uh, right now. All right, Paul, we got a lot of ground to cover, but we got to start with Byron Leftwich, right? Byron Leftwich today did not officially yet get hired as the Jaguars head coach. It seems like it's close. I don't know if people have read my articles at Peter Report or I was on the radio in Jacksonville earlier today talking just about this, that it's basically just a power struggle. I don't even know if it's a leverage play money-wise. It's just a power struggle right now. Leftwich wants to come in, and he wants to be able to hire his own people, and he wants to be able to bring Adrian Wilson from the Cardinals as general manager. And that's how he basically wants to, he wants to be able to call the shots, basically. Because within that, he feels like he's going to have some security, and he's not going to have to worry about putting heads with somebody in what's already been an unstable environment. Very smart by Byron Leftwich to do that. Um, very smart. The other part of it is the Jaguars are at least somewhat, and they may back down on this, but they're at least somewhat skeptical of the whole, oh, Byron Leftwich is going to come in here as a first-time head coach, and he's going to bring Kevin Garver as his OC, and he's going to bring Larry Foote as his DC, and those guys are first-year coordinators, and he's a first-year head coach, and we've got a young team anyway. And so there are some skepticism amongst that, amongst the, uh, the Jaguars' front office. So they are trying to convince him to hey can we have some input on your hirings you know they brought in Vic Fangio I don't think it was so much for head coach thing I think it's more looking at possible defensive coordinator options to pair with Byron Love which we are both big Fangio fans defensively Paul but not sure whether the arranged forced marriage thing it really doesn't tend to work it's such a bad idea I can't believe organizations still try to do that garbage because it doesn't matter how good you are individually it's always a team sport and you had people on the same page and Fangio has been around forever. And, you know, he's been a head coach the last couple of years. It would be a difficult fit. I feel like for the two of them to be together, even though schematically it would be kind of cool. Yeah. And I, I wonder how Leftwich would feel about that because we don't necessarily know that he's opposed to bringing in Fangio, right? It seems like the bigger right. point of contention is the general manager issue, which makes perfect sense. Um, but from an outsider looking in, like, I would love to have Fangio on my staff. Like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's his defense uh, that's taking over the league, right? The last couple of years, mm -hmm. Staley is definitely a part of that tree. And yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, 
but I get it if Leftwich wants to bring in his own guys. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, it will be. And I think that Fangio, you know, could it could be a good fit again, but it's all about like the personalities working too and you have having no experience really together and how does that play out? I don't know if they know each other, you know, so there's a lot right. of layers to it. And when you're a first year head coach, you want to be able to establish your culture. And Fangio has just been doing that for three years. So he has some idea of how things should work and left, which could just be totally different. And um, yeah, it could be very, I mean, you know, Fangio is one of the older coaches left, which is one of the younger coaches. And so it would be very unique to see how that would work for sure. We saw something like it worked with Wade Phillips and Sean McVay for a while. And then it, it got stale and, and didn't end up ultimately uh, working out long term there, but it could be something like that uh, if they decide to go that way. But it would keep Larry Foot in Tampa Bay, which I think most Bucks fans would would enjoy, um, and you know potential future DC if Bulls does eventually get hired away somewhere. So there's layers to this whole thing, but the layer the Bucks fans I think really want to talk about and hear about is this Saints layer because apparently the Saints have requested an interview with Byron Leftwich as well, which is interesting because Paul. Byron Leftwich is obviously had put up great production and numbers, but uh, like it has really come against the Saints, and some of that's been his fault, maybe. But like you know, the first game this year, I thought they did really well schematically against the Saints. I thought they had opportunities to put even more points on the board, honestly, due mm-hmm. to his uh, play calling and design. And then the second matchup, obviously, they got shut out. You know, they no AB, they lose Godwin and Evans early in the game. They lose Fournette at some point in the game. It's kind of like really unlucky, and so obviously, yeah. like we know there's context. But it's still pretty funny when you your your top candidate in the building, Dennis Allen, just shut out the guy. Yeah, I'm suspicious. My conspiracy theory is that they're probing. It's a divisional rival. Hey, why not bring him in the building? Ask him a few questions that we can't get the answers to on just tape, and maybe it'll help us out next year because the Bucks offense. Well, we'll get to it a little bit later, but it's going to be the same fundamental ideas. So you know, what's the harm in bringing in a guy that you're gonna whose offense you're gonna play twice a year? I don't see it happening, though, because that offense mm. that's been there for years, it's so different, right? That Sean Payton offense. Uh, and I, it just seems unlikely that they would just go radically different. Like, I know Payton is gone, but they still have guys that they could promote from within. And it certainly seems like Dennis Allen is is a, a pretty reasonable candidate for head coaching. He's, we both think he's a terrific defensive coordinator. So, I don't know. I'm suspicious of the Saints. Yeah, I do not see this as a realistic candidate. I don't see him as a realistic candidate. I think it's going to be Aaron Glenn and Dennis Allen who are kind of at the top of their list. Glenn was their defensive backs coach for a long time. And yeah. um, then obviously the Lions defensive coordinator this past season with almost no talent, got that group to play actually halfway decent at once in a while, um, which is impressive. He's a lot of praise and respect around the league. And I think Dennis Allen's probably the leader in the clubhouse to replace Sean Payton, which, you know, like I said, great defense coordinator. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I know he's had a stint before as a co- head coach, but that was so long ago that, you know, I'm not sure well, how that'll play out with him as a head coach. But I don't expect Byron Leftwich to be a New Orleans Saint. So if people want to be comforted by that, go ahead. I don't, <laughs> don't think that's going to happen. That would be a shock to me if he ends up being a real candidate there. I think he's going to probably actually sign with Jacksonville like, and get this thing done before he probably even gets an inter- opportunity to interview in, in, in New Orleans. Because he's he's definitely not going to have more input in New Orleans than he will in Jacksonville. If this is a point of contention, yeah. like I don't think he's going to control who right. the GM is in New Orleans. Dennis Allen's not going anywhere. Correct. Yeah, Correct. And Brady, and, uh, sorry, and Leftwich may not care about that, Paul, if he were in a more stable environment with a GM that That's true. was established and t- that he trusted. It may not just be a power thing for him. It may be a power thing in Jacksonville because – the GM is so incompetent and so few people want to work with him. So right, he is point. trying to basically kind of leverage himself in that situation. And so, yeah, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. William says with a $5 super chat, thank you, William. John, I need you to pull some strings and call Brady and see if he stays or goes. I'm losing my stuff. Look, man, like, I mean, I've talked to him all the time and he's not telling me anything. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with Brady, but we are going to kind of examine – the Bucks offense moving forward as if he is coming back for another year, because even if he doesn't, it's still likely to be a lot of things, things schematically. Uh, you know, I don't, there would be some changes I'm sure Paul, but um, we uh, we'll see what, let's see what we've got and uh, comments and questions too. We'll kind of go, cause I know we got another super chat here. I'll pull up. Um, how do we go about acquiring Atlanta's franchise tight end to reconnect with Trask for 2022? Jonas says, good luck with that one. I don't think they're giving up. Kyle Pitts just said, 
quietly while no one paid attention at one of the best rookie seasons for a tight end in a long time. So the we appreciate the $5 super chat, but I don't think uh, Kyle Pitts is coming to play with Kyle Trask, nor do I think Kyle Trask is seeing the field anytime soon in Tampa Bay. Could be wrong about that, but I think that would be a little bit of a surprise to me as well. But, Paul, one of the things that we will talk about today on the show is potential upgrades to the offense in Tampa Bay, including on the personnel side of things. But before we get to some of the personnel, I want to I want to make sure that we've covered the scheme part of things too, because we expect Byron Leftwich still to leave. It may not be have happened Tuesday or whenever, Wednesday morning, whatever, but we still expect that to be the case. It seems like he is still on track based on multiple reports and what we're hearing to be hired in Jacksonville. So it might be a, a little bit of time while they were iron out all the kinks and work out how to bring people in and dismiss other people and whatever they got to work out. But if Byron Leftwich is gone, one of the things we're going to need to talk about is kind of what that looks like moving forward um, and how that might affect the offense based on what we've seen. I talked yesterday some about the offense basically you know, adding some things or changing some things or doing some things more heavily, more predominantly when Leftwich and Brady seem to get on the same page after the bye week. Some of that is what I've heard and know and will from watching, but a lot of it also is in the, the books um, about this past season. The book the name of the book is Escape. Season of the Sun, it's right behind me on the bookshelf. But some of that is in the book, like talking about how there Brady really wanted more horizontal concepts in there. And some of those were in there, like they did them. I think mesh was one we were talking about yesterday. They they did mesh, they had it in the playbook and everything, but it felt like the there was an increase in not only that, but just in general horizontal concepts that happened at that point in time. What's your take on all of that? The changes that you saw kind of coming after that. It might not have been new plays, but they, they did stuff at a greater volume. It felt like more horizontal concepts at a greater volume when Leftwich and Brady kind of got on the same page after the bye last year. Yeah, I, I think that's the right way to put it. I think sometimes it becomes overstated where and, and it's presented as if they installed new concepts. They very much were still picking off the Arians menu let's say and they just kind of brady had a little more input of hey i like these ones whereas before at least from the way mccoy presented it brady was very hands-off in terms of left which you run the show you pick what you like yeah. and i'll run it and then after the buy he started giving a little more input of i prefer these concepts so let's lean on these a little more yeah and i'm sure part of it was the horizontal stuff um and like i've always said I, there are very few concepts that are unique to a playbook so it's not yeah, as it's if they're true. It's not as if there's some secret New England plays that didn't exist in Arians' playbook. Like everything Correct. that New England runs, Belichick even said this. Like anything that Tampa Bay runs, you can call it in New England's language. There's a way to call mm -hmm. that play. Um, so, but yeah, with the horizontal and more underneath stuff, we saw that to me, the biggest carryover was into this season, actually, in the sense that they did a way better job against middle of the field open coverages, which is with that controlled underneath passing game. Uh, it's they like two were, high safeties are you're talking about there. Two high safeties, right. nobody in the middle of the field, yeah, trying to take advantage of that space. That's right, yeah, because Arians' offense, as we know, very vertical, and his ideal defense is a single high safety that lets him take deep shots down the field, and they ran into some trouble when teams were like, we're not going to let you do that. We're sticking two safeties back there the whole game, beat us underneath. And last year was a bit clunky. This year, way better. They were one of the absolute best teams against that those type of coverages, mm -hmm. which makes perfect sense. Brady has always feasted on those type of coverages, mm -hmm. but especially at the end in New England with the type of receivers they had, teams, everyone was just playing a ton of single high because mm -hmm. they're just like, we're taking everything away from the middle. You don't have any deep threats on the outside. So anyway, that's kind of where I saw that evolution of the offense, more controlled passing game, more underneath, but mainly, like you said, just changing the frequency of the of certain play calls rather than adding plays altogether. Right, correct. Whenever we refer to this, is probably just a good way to to put it in general. Just in case, whenever we refer to like new things or something that they didn't do before, it usually means they have it. They just haven't done it in any type of volume that would make us consider it a staple or of what they do or something that is a part of their identity as an offense. You know, and that's where I think the biggest change in this year that came. They did think they increased the volume of certain things in a greater capacity so that now it became like more of an identity no longer this past season where they just you know in this past Aaron's had always been described as a vertical oriented attack and they certainly had that this year they're still amongst the league leaders and vertical pass attempts and or downfield 20 plus air yard pass attempts and and I'm, they run all a lot of that stuff you know we pointed out and talk about it 989 and some of those other concepts that we talk about a lot but there is also a, a much more of an underneath there was a much more underneath elements and horizontal flow to their offense 
than there had been in the past in terms of volume, not in terms of not being there, but in terms of volume. Leftwich has some say in this, like in terms of how this envelops. And you know, one of the funny things about Leftwich is I don't really know what his Jack- his offense will look like in Jacksonville, Paul. Like it could be just what he did in Tampa Bay, but he's very new to the whole thing. Like he's only been a coordinator for three years. He was a quarterback's coach for a little bit in Arizona and an offense that was very different. Um with Mike McCoy and that offense was again, I we mentioned it on the show the other day on your show yesterday. I mean, there was like no talent on that Arizona offense. So I have no idea what he took from those approaches and some of those concepts. And also what he just liked to make his own from his playing days. You know, there's not like he has spent a lot of time in a certain system or in a certain offense. He was literally not even interested in coaching. Arians like pulled him off the golf course and was like, dude, you're gonna be a great coach someday. And all those things, you know. But then you look at Leftwich now and you're like, okay, you're going to be head coach this quick, man. Like, what are some of the, like, what in the world are you going to, is your offense even going to look like, especially because his personnel in, in Jacksonville is going to be so much different. Um, you know, I think it might behoove him to move to some other looks for some of the things that he does. But in Tampa Bay, do you think that anything changes with Arians back in terms of him calling plays and things like that? Do you foresee some of that change? Are there things you're at least watching? You know, Arians could just be like, oh, everything we've been doing lately is great. All of the, Or do you think there's going to be any type of change with him back calling plays? I don't see there being a big change. I Because it's, like like we said, it's picking off Arians' menu anyway. And But it goes both ways. Like with the Jacksonville thing, I think Jacksonville's offense, like the staples, it's going to look very much like the Bucks' offense. Main reason being Leftwich had so much control in Tampa Bay. I doubt there was anything where Leftwich wanted to do where he wasn't allowed to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. But at the same time, like I think even with Leftwich having so much control, I think Arians has been pre- preparing for this moment for a long time. He's been he's been like the most vocal guy saying, hey, get this guy a head coaching job. So surely he's got a backup plan here. He knows how mm-hmm. this is going to go. And I, I think it's going to be pretty smooth sailing in that regard. But Mike, I have a question for you. I'm curious what you think about this. So Arians has said that he's going to take over play calling duties. And he's also been pretty vocal about in these couple years in Tampa Bay being hands off, probably a part of that being work life balance and then not always being involved in every single offensive meeting. So now when he is a play caller, does that increase his day to day workload? And is that any sort of point of concern for you at all? I don't think it's his workload so much that's diminished. I think it's just where he spends his time. Like Arians is kind of this kind of how he's described himself and kind of how he's just generally understood. He's kind of like a control freak a little bit. That's why he said he would only come back basically if Byron was calling his plays. Now he can be over exaggeratory. Like I don't, I don't know that that's exactly true, but that's basically how he put it. It's like he Byron's his guy calling his plays. Period. So there's not many people he trusts to like give those responsibilities to. So I think once he had somebody that did that, he was just like, okay, I'm going to focus and do other things in other areas now and oversee other things now. So the, some of the, there's going to be some shift sure and responsibilities. Definitely. You have to be more involved in the game plan if you're going to be calling plays on Sunday, obviously. So there will be that shift. You know, obviously I think he was involved in that still before, but there will be a shift there and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I don't know if it'll be more work, but it'll be different work and what other areas suffer and does he enjoy it as much after a couple of years of not doing it. I don't know. Those are all valid questions that I think we're going to have to keep an eye on. And also, how does the dialogue between Arians and Brady go? Leftwich is about as laid back an individual as you can have. Josh McDaniels is pretty laid back as well. Brady worked with for years. He's worked with a lot of different OCs, obviously. But And then you have Arians, who is not really the most laid back individual, you know, Um, and might be a different. I mean, we've seen Arians communicate. It's probably different with his players, and I'm sure Brady has an understanding of it. But Sometimes his communication is maybe not the clearest to the media, at least, and maybe totally different with the team. But um, that part of it, you know, will be interesting. We'll probably never have great insight into it, but that's important in the context of a game where your bullets are flying and you're communicating play calls back and forth, right? That kind of stuff really matters. Different voice in your ear. (laughs) That's right. I agree with you that I don't think the scheme will change hardly at all, except for whatever Brady wants. Here's the thing with Arians. Very important to understand, I think, that if it is – been proven that it's worked he'll buy in but he's slow to buy into things i think that he is like oh i don't know if that's gonna work so, so what would be an example of that so an example would basically be the way that they've adapted the offensive with a higher volume of some things that that brady likes obviously which he was probably never against but probably ne- like he said he didn't expect to win a super bowl the first year he probably didn't expect to be you know i mean maybe he did expect going into year two he probably did expect to be the top offense or one of the top offenses in the nfl um and so like he's seen that and he knows that it works and, he, and it's brady like it's not like this is uh 
Blaine Gabbert. You know what I mean? Like then he might be like, all right, we got to reinvent. We're going back to everything I do. Right. Blaine's just going to learn it my way. With Brady, it's totally different. It changes everything. It's going to make him way more um, moldable in terms of what Brady wants to see in the offense. So that will just continue to happen, I think, schematically. The difference will be play calling on game days. He's just not as patient of a play caller as Byron Leftwich, or hasn't been in the past. That could totally okay. be changed. But I could see there being like, again, this is just me guessing here. We, we'll see when the actual bullets fly. But if this happens, I could see him being like, we're going for it all. You know, get frustrated right. and there could be more of those vertical shots and a little bit of a less patient approach in terms of getting the ball down the field. That's a good point. Yeah, because he he's even said that himself where he he has the tendency to be impatient and he's kind of pushing left which to maybe make more aggressive calls or something like that and especially with the way defense started playing them more and more this year that's kind of not the way you can always go um, and that's a big part of why their average depth of target went down even though they still had plenty of downfield shots yeah. in totality like their average depth of target came down this year so yeah, that's actually a really good point. Is Arians going to be willing to continue with this more horizontal offense that's a necessity out of just the way defenses are playing them? Yeah, the patience on game day to be able to see things in the moment. I mean, obviously he's done this for a long time. Arians' offenses have always ranked near the top of the league in most categories. Um, you know, So I, I don't think that it's going to be – I don't no, totally put off by it like I would be if he were a defensive minded head coach and bringing in a totally new OC. Then I would be like, okay. But I do think there's some, you know, reasons to just keep your eyes open, maybe, and, and analyze well, how things are going. So this is just pure speculation on my part. But part of, uh, and it, this was mentioned in that book that that you mentioned earlier, a season in the sun. When Brady first came in, he wanted to make a point of establishing the dynamic of coach and player, where Leftwich specifically is the coach. And I think it was important for him to do that because one, Leftwich is young, younger than him. Obviously, Brady has all the success. So Brady intentionally at the beginning tried to be hands-off when it came to play selection. Now, not only would it be his third year there, but I wonder with that not being a concern, that dynamic with Arians, I wonder if Brady would feel more comfortable pushing his own ideas where it's like, I want this. And like where he's yeah. not trying to get in left, which is way right where with Arians, maybe he's more comfortable. Going, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. yeah, he might be for sure. And at this point, two years in, I think it's just Arians is going to be like, all right, sounds good. Like, I don't yeah. think it's going to be like this big struggle. Like it, again, it's Brady, different quarterback might be a different conversation with Brady. The I, reason I, I mentioned that is just because your, your example of the game day impatience. Like I wonder if Brady in a game would be more comfortable. Being, no, no, no. Like, I'm just going to, we're not right, doing we that. Can't, we can't score 15 points in one play. We're going to yeah, yeah, yeah. just do this. Yeah, no, that could definitely be a part of it. Speaking of scoring points, that's probably going to happen this weekend, Paul, when a couple teams play in the AFC and NFC Championship games on Sunday. And guess what? Over at MyBookie, you've got an awesome chance to win yourself some money when those points are scored. Even though the fantasy football season's over, you can keep the excitement alive with MyBookie's double deposit bonus. Having your initial deposit matched up to $1,000 is like playing every game with home field advantage. All you have to do is sign up, use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and get your funds credited to your account instantly so you can start placing your bets with MyBookie. While the NFL postseason is in full swing and there's no shortage of games to choose from at MyBookie, and everyone knows that playoffs equal points, it's the best time of the year to hammer overs. With every player out to make a name for themselves, you know player props are a great way to find an edge. MyBookie is also home to exclusive contests that can be used to maximize your winnings and make your 2022 your best year yet. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Place your bets and get ready for the intensity of playoff action. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. I know this is a Bucks podcast, and we are going to talk mostly Bucks, obviously, Paul. But what are your thoughts on these two games this weekend? NFC 49ers Rams. Is this like your like dream matchup? Just watching two of the offensive minds that you probably respect more than anybody else and play callers just go at it in the NFC championship game. It is exciting. I mean, I'm my thing is this: I'm rooting so hard against Kansas City that I want the Rams to win because I think they have a better chance of taking down Kansas City. And I think mm. the Chiefs are just like a lock against the Bengals. So that's kind of how my entire rooting interests are being defined right now. <laughs> but if the Bengals somehow pull out a win, 
then I'll be it'll be a lot easier for me to just watch as a pure neutral and then just take in like the two geniuses going at it in the afternoon because yeah. I think that's the NFC game is after right. And, uh, I think that's right. Yeah. 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 That's so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Ben uh, Solak uh, had a great article on the Ringer about mm-hmm. uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and how they started with two very similar offenses and how from that same point they've evolved into two very different things now. Mm-hmm. So it'll be cool to watch. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I haven't even gotten to read that article yet. I have a bookmark to read, but I haven't even gotten to read it yet. But that's probably a good one by our friend and friend of the show, Ben Solak. Um, Leo with $5 Super Chat. Skip Bayless, the one of which we shall not speak, is speculating <laughs> that Brady may want to go to the 49ers. Oh, my. I don't see any way the Bucks are okay with that, not to mention the $30 million cap. Listen. Gonna let it go, Leo, because you gave us a $5 super chat, but we do not talk about Skip Bayless on the show. We definitely don't bring up his opinions on this show because that man does not know anything. He just talks to talk. And Brady's not going anywhere. He's a buccaneer or he's retiring. That's it. But we do appreciate the $5 super chat and the constant support of the Peter Report podcast. Leo, it means a lot to us for sure. I know we got a couple other super chats. Let's uh I'll keep scrolling down and keep trying to get to those uh, so we can make sure we got everything covered. Why do you cheer against the Chiefs so hard? What's um I'm just sick of them. You know, they're the they're the overall favorite, you, you know. But you were a Patriots guy for years, right? Watching Brady? Well, you were Seahawks. No, Seahawk no, guy I just like Brady. I'm a Seahawks like Brady, fan, but I admired Brady. But yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I'm just being biased, but I got annoyed. You know what it is? It's the Super Bowl that really broke me in terms of the Chiefs, where it's just like Mahomes is playing terribly. And from the commentary and the fan reactions to it, you would think he just had the all-time game of his life. And it's like the guy is escaping clean pressures left and right. Like obviously incredible quarterback, probably the best in the league right now. But yeah, I'm just gonna root against the uh, overwhelming favorites. That's that's all it is. That I'm game not, like, was incredible. I didn't watch it on TV because I was in in the press box at the stadium. But I mean, I'm hearing back the clips was like people raving about that Mahomes lateral throw, which physically was incredible. But it went through a defender's hands before his yeah. guy dropped it in the end zone. Like it should have been an intercepted pass, and people just right. totally ignored it and acted and- like that wasn't true. And Bucks are up like three touchdowns. And every time the Chiefs gained five yard, Rome was like, oh, Jim, here we go. And he's talking about, oh, is Mahomes going to win four Super Bowls or is he going to win eight Super Bowls? Like, which one is it going to be? And it's like, how about you get to about, two? Yeah, we talk you about know? the fact like, that this team is getting blown out and has right. scored a touchdown. Like, look at Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks ever. The guy has one ring. Like, it's not that easy. That's right. Yeah, exactly right. For sure. Uh, Leo at the five. That was a great uh, Tony Romo impression, by the way. Oh, Thank Jim. You. Four Super Bowls, right? Oh, Oh, here we go, Jim. (laughs) Leo with the $5 Super Chat again. Thank you, Leo. Shame that Brady may leave the year the head coach of our kryptonite leaves. Any competent quarterback can win this division for the Bucs. The division is going to be so bad. Yeah, let's just quickly touch on this because with Peyton gone now for the Saints, they have quarterback issues. Panthers have quarterback, coach, culture, all the above issues. They're a train wreck. The Falcons may be on to something a little bit, but their talent level is just so far below everybody. It is possible that the Bucs could win this division, even if yeah. the Saints keep pretty good coaching and they still have some good talent. We'll see if they get a quarterback. They are in a bad cap situation, but they've avoided that for years, so I'm not freaking out about that. They, they could find, they'll find a way to get around that again. Um, it's going to be tough still, but but if Brady leaves, it'll be it'll be very tough. But you're right that any competent court, like if you got Kirk Cousins to the box, he, he could probably win the division you know they wouldn't go anywhere after that like with cousins well but like the division if the saints unless the saints got like russell wilson or something you know yeah obviously. and i i would argue the kryptonite is dennis allen who doesn't seem to be going anywhere but i agree <laughs> with the overall idea like yeah. rogers might be gone and like making the nfc even weaker right so then really you're just left with the rams the division for all the reasons like you know on paper we say this for the last two years the saints shouldn't be an issue you would hope maybe in the third year with brady they can get it figured out so it really would be a shame to, for him to leave now because i think yeah. despite the extremely difficult schedule that they have coming up in a lot of ways things could be easier here's how you figure it out against the saints you do what you did in this in the first game this past season but you just don't have the missed call that results in an interception mm-hmm. and the missed call that results in a deep incomplete deep pass that would have been a touchdown and i'll drive that edited a punt and you don't commit 15 penalties defensively like that's what you do and then in the right. second game you just don't lose all your best players like, that's right that's it you know i really feel it. i know people are gonna say all oh, this it's just own them i just feel like this year was it was two very 
weird games. Like it just was defensively. Yeah. You are not going to give up 29 points or whatever they gave up. I know there was a defensive touchdown to a Trevor Simeon led team very often. Like that's just not going to happen. Even with bulls, that's not going to happen every year. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like it's just, it was a very random penalty mistake game. Like rather than being out playing bucks, put up more yards it left a lot of opportunities on the field. They lost that game more than the Saints won, in my opinion. And then the second game was just like, I'm not going to say it's easy against the Saints, but I personally don't feel like it's this, oh, they just couldn't solve them. Like, nah, they just lost there. <laughs> you can't beat yeah. the Saints. You can solve it. You just can't beat them. Nobody could players. get open. Like, <laughs> right, it like, was like Jalen Darden trying to run by some of the best corners, yeah. you know. It's like, oh, he can't figure out how to beat them. No, no, like, he figures it out. It's called man coverage, and these guys are good, and your guys aren't, like. The Bucs had a great off or really good offense in week one 2020 when they hardly yeah. knew what they were doing. Right. If you actually go back and watch the tape, like the numbers are are a bit mucked up because Brady drew or the, the Bucks drew a couple PIs that didn't count on the on the box score, but they moved the ball really well and and yeah, they hardly knew what the hell they were doing. Right. And the obviously the 38-3 game and, and even the more recent one, probably they have, one thing that ha- is true is that they have not protected well against the Saints. There yeah. that 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 part can improve over time. Obviously, Joe Haig was huge in the 38-3 game, but it doesn't matter. They've still struggled to protect against the Saints. Even Tristan Wirf struggled this past year to protect against the Saints at times, um, you know, comparatively to his normal and- standards. And so that's a that's a factor for sure in playing them. To give credit where it's due, like Dennis Allen has had terrific game plans. The guys have played mm-hmm. great, so oh, yeah. I'm not hand-waving it away as if it's easy. But I'm, my point is just that it's not some insurmountable thing. Like you, exp- I thought your exp- explanation for that first game was great. Like it, There are reasons why things kind of went the way they did. It's not yeah. voodoo. <laughs> a lot of football is bounces, man. It really yeah. is. Like It's a play here, a play there, and, and that's, you know, that's what makes it happen. Uh, we appreciate uh, these super chats. They've been great. Uh, I how do you think you say this first name? Correct us if we're wrong about it. Uh, Trajan? Trajan? I don't know. If I don't Indian, know. That, that would be my I, guess, I, guess. I apologize if we can't if we're not saying your first name Trajan. right. But do you that's, guys? That's I think would be if he's Indian. That's oh, what I think the okay. pronunciation would be. But that's gonna be hard to say. Do you guys think Darden can develop into an into an average to above average wide receiver three, or do you think drafting a wide receiver, signing one in free agency is a must? This is a terrific question because this segues us perfectly into kind of what we're talking about next, which is okay. You look at this offense, you don't think much will change schematically. There may be some wrinkles play calling wise that comes into play here. Okay, what else can change? How can this offense grow and evolve? We're going to talk about the scheme part of that in a second. But let's talk about just the player part of it in a second, too, because let's say Chris Godwin is back as we expect he is and at full health. Mike Evans is back in the picture. We'll talk about tight end in a second. Wide receiver, you have Tyler Johnson, Jalen Darden, who Trajan mentions here, Jalen Darden, uh, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, and... Cyril Grayson is under contract still, I believe Greg Allman said. So those four competing for what looks like four wide receiver spots probably right now. And that can't be the case, right? When this team goes to camp next year, it can't be those four guys competing for those four spots. I'm a believer in Scotty, but it seems like for whatever reason, you know, clearly the coaches are not like, right. I mean, Cyril Grayson's coming off the practice squad playing more. Like it's, it just seems clear to me that regardless of how we feel, Year right. four, it's unlikely to change for Scott. He is he is as big as he is. Like right, but here's here's what else. Like. like these are the things to me that you need in that third wide receiver spot. Really, like the Z because the X is locked up. Evans F is going to be Godwin. Um, it's it's kind of it's the easiest position as far as the receivers. Like it's way easier than the X and the F by far. Uh, it has the fewest variable routes. Um, it, it doesn't ask a lot in terms of run blocking. You're so often just on the outside and somewhat irrelevant. Uh, and like I said, lots of locked routes, but you need physical skills. Uh, mainly in my opinion, speed is the most important thing. That's why Antonio Brown and Scotty Miller have both done well when in there, mm-hmm. at least from how I've seen it. And that's also why when Tyler Johnson before Godwin got hurt, when he was playing so much on the outside, that's why he struggled. Right? I mean, he struggled inside too, but <laughs> yeah. point being like, you, you need a guy. I'm looking for more than anything physical attributes, right? Mm. Size would be nice. Doesn't have to have size, but speed. And the other thing you need is just you got to get good with timing. But like it's such a vertical offense. And when you think of some vertical offenses like, say, the Chiefs, a lot of it comes on second reaction plays where Mahomes is rolling out of the pocket, finding a guy way down the field, right? And it's just kind of backyard football. It's obviously not how you do it with Brady. Brady is going to push the ball down the field 
but it's going to be, okay, I just hit the seventh step in my drop and I'm firing right as soon as I, it's very timing based. Everything needs to be perfect. So if you're not cutting at the right depth, cutting too early, cutting too late, that's going to throw the whole thing yeah. off. So those are kind of, it's, it's the least demanding position, but yeah, you got to have those couple of things. I agree with you. Those are all great things to have. And I also think yards after catch ability, like, can you have another person with the ball in their hands that can create offense? You know, that's, Actually, Mike Evans honestly did a pretty good job of that this season for his standards, but it's never going to be like you're never going to give Mike Mike Evans manufactured touches and that's going to make plays with the football. You didn't see enough of that from Tyler Johnson. Jalen Darden came and run without falling over. Right. Scotty Miller's not that player. Cyril Grayson, we haven't seen be that player. So that's a key for me too. Like, can you get the ball in some guys' hands that can make plays with the ball after they've caught it? I think that is another trait that I really look for. I know they value size. To a degree, I do as well, but it's more about how you play. Like if you play big and physical, you don't have to be the tallest or longest or anything like that. I think I don't that wanna... size is way more important from that X and the F. Like it's yeah. obviously nice from the Z, but I think those two positions really demand size in right. a different way. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see what they end up doing and how they end up prioritizing. But this is a great question. By the way, the pronunciation is Trajan. So sorry about that. Trajan, Trajan, <laughs> we both messed that one up. Trajan, great question though. That's absolutely right. Uh, completely agree with you that they've got to upgrade that position. Darden, will he fit into think the mix at some point? I don't know. Um, we just need to see a lot more. He was in camp. He honestly looked good. Then as soon once the pads came on and and things changed for him, man. Once the competition level got upped, it was not the same. And it looked this season like I I wouldn't even rip his physical ability so much as he just seemed overwhelmed. Yo, he actually did didn't mishandle the ball very often as a returner. I guess we should be grateful for that since he screwed up pretty much everything else. But um, whether it was out there on offense or out there as a returner, it looked like everything was just too fast for him. Like he, his, his legs were moving faster than his mind or not fast enough, I guess. I don't know. Like it was just a mess. He couldn't even stand, uh, stay up. And, and so, yeah, it's, I'm not banking on him being a member of the roster, a member of the team next year, in my opinion, let alone, a wide receiver three or becoming right. that like it would, you've got to put other plans in place and guys make big steps in the off season, but you just can't bank on it. Cause it, mm -hmm. just given how big of a step it would take. And we also just haven't seen a ton of him in the actual offense. We've seen him a lot more in special teams. So it's hard to form like a really strong opinion, kind of the way, like even though Johnson didn't play a ton before we had seen enough where you and I kind of had a pretty good feel of what we were going to get in case he did have to step in for Godwin. Mm -hmm. And I think we were both kind of right. Whereas with Darden, there's just not enough to form a super strong opinion, but I'm I'm totally with you in terms of what your current like default is right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. You don't have enough to go on it to really feel differently. So we'll just have to see. He gets evaluated in camp, and that's kind of what I mean. To me, Paul, I think they should add two guys this offseason. It could be both in the draft, could be two rookies, could be their first two picks, to be honest with you. I don't really care if there's good players there, both spots. But I want to see them real like stockpile that position group. I do not want what happened this year. If this is going to be the offense and this is how you're going to run, I don't want you to lose a couple guys and have what happened this year be the case again. Because if you had greater talent, if Chris Godwin's on the field against the Rams, even with all the protection issues they had, I don't think it's the same game. I just don't. Tired of watching Tyler Johnson drop the ball a million times. He had a ton of opportunity this season, the opposite of Jalen Darden, right? Opportunities inside, opportunities outside, opportunities with other key players off the field. Just yep. didn't happen at all. Like opportunities after the catch, opportunities down the field, opportunities to run routes better, to catch the ball better, like everything. Didn't score a touchdown. Like I'm not the big box score stats guy. People know that. But how do you play all season in this right. offense? It's 600, 700 snaps. You don't score oh, a touchdown? I didn't I know mean, he played like, that much. Yeah, he played a ton. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like he played a ton, Paul, and just nothing. Right, because they kept like, using him as wide receiver three instead of AB, even when AB was healthy. I kind of forgot about that. He played early in the season, even yeah. some, yeah, in a more sheltered role. But remember, AB, Godwin, and Evans were only on the field together as a trio in two games this year. That's it. Jeez. Week one and week two. So as a trio, we just actually, no, I lied. I lied. Because AB, with Gronk, they were only, it was only the first oh, two okay. weeks. Then AB came back and there was weeks four, five, and six where they were on the field together against the, you know, the worst teams in the league, basically. Right. But those weeks they were on the field together. So there were five games, so they were all on the field together this year. That's it. So Tyler Johnson played a ton this season. He played more snaps than Antonio Brown. Like he played a lot, and he was right. not even good. I mean, not even average in my opinion. Like below average receiver. Oh, yeah. Like he can't be even be your wide receiver four next year. You can't bank on that. I would like two other guys in the building. You have those four coming back to compete. 
they're probably going to try and get Prashad Perryman back here cheap to compete, whatever. I, I mean, I'm not wild about it, but if one of the rookies just isn't ready, you know, okay. But I don't want to see any of those guys, even as wide as your four, to be honest with you. If it ends up being Perryman and he gets his legs back under him and he ends up being a productive, you know, he's show, showing out in camp, it could be something that works out with him. But I'm not banking on with Darden. I'm definitely not banking on with Tyler Johnson. And Cyril Grayson just, I mean, we, what are we, he's has 11 catches in his career and he's 28 years old. Like, we just got to be realistic. Like, what he's showing right. two games is great. And if you end up eight deep, you end up eight deep. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. But you can't be shallow at wide receiver. And that cost them this year. And that position is too important in Aaron's offense to risk it again. Yeah, I completely agree. We can't make the same mistake with Cyril Grayson that we made with Tyler Johnson, where it's like one cool catch against New Orleans and another <laughs> game clincher against Green Bay. And then we're suddenly like, oh, he can replace Godwin. I mean, that was never my opinion, but you know. Yeah. No. Um, and and it's kind of it would be the same idea with Cyril Grayson. Um, yeah, it would be great if he if he's if he did, you know, come uh, turn out to be this guy that he was in the Jets game. But I totally agree with you. You gotta target that position. And Specifically, you need two different types of receivers. One, we already talked about, you need that third receiver, that Z most most often in the offense. And then secondly, and you brought this up before, not me, uh, that you need a backup for Godwin, which again, very different type of receiver. It's a guy who has size, who can run block, who can make gritty catches over the middle and is really smart, can see the field the same in same time with Brady and make the same decision. Mm -hmm. It is by far the most demanding position of the offense mentally, physically. And yeah, it would be great if you can have someone who can step in for Godwin. I keep coming back to Juju Smith-Schuster. I've I've thought about it every day, honestly, like just, again, I know these things are unlikely to happen and he already apparently has some interest in the chiefs. Um, It just fit wise. It makes so much sense. I know people are going to make, Oh, TikTok, like Juju, they've heard about, the way the media portrayed him in Pittsburgh. He ain't the other dudes like that have been out there doing dumb stuff. Like he's a smart football player. He's physical. He's aggressive. He'll absolutely KO people on a football field. Like he is, he is the type of mentality you want at the position. He's team first. He, but he's done the dirty work. He's done the volume stuff in an offense before, you know, he can, he underneath stuff and short stuff. He's great after the catch. He breaks tackles. He stiff arms. People can make plays down the field. He blocks like crazy. But there's no market yeah. for him. There wasn't a market for him last year. And then he just spent this entire season basically injured. And he came back. He worked his tail off to come back and rehab it for the playoff game to play one more game with Ben. Like, that's yeah. the kind of guy you're talking about. It gets a team first. If people think because he plays video games and goes on TikTok, he doesn't care. This dude just came back from what was told to him at the time. No chance he had a chance to come back for the playoffs. He worked that hard to be able to rehab and come back. Like, that's the kind of mentality you're getting in him. So, I, again, I think it's a great fit but i don't know if it's gonna happen i don't know what his market's gonna be because again it was like it was like one three teams were interested for one and like i think ravens maybe had a two-year option offer on the table the bucks can play with that kind of money like they can do those kind of things for him if he's trying to go somewhere win a ring have a one year somewhere where he can prove himself as a wide receiver three he sees what wide receiver three gets in this offense right you're gonna be option number three in, in kansas city like so if you want somewhere and, and, you're going to go and they throw more than anybody in Tampa Bay, I mean, they're going to throw in Kansas City too. Both are great. And I've heard you, I've heard you make this point before, maybe in the group chat that Juju, not only can he fill in for Godwin, but he can also play on the outside. Like he's yes, versatile he like that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah, obviously not as talented as AB, but he's, he would be a great fit and physically has the traits and whatever it's, plays video games. I'd rather a guy do that at night than sneak in yeah. toilet liquors, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> But <laughs> you're dropping some zingers on the show today. <laughs> it's off season. I'm I'm ready to go. You know, it's off season mode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, I agree with you completely. Like personalities. Like, plus, this is a great locker room. Like, there's no drama in this locker. This is a great locker room. Like, yeah, I mean, I think he's a great fit. I hope that they show some interest because that is a key thing. Can you find somebody to back up Godwin in case something happens, but also so you can start to diversify his usage? Yep. Can you get him outside more? Like when he was playing with Tyler Johnson, it was like, shoot, like we can't put him outside. Like we can't, we can't move or not as much. You know, we, we got this weakness. We're trying to put this guy basically trying to hide Tyler Johnson wherever. You need a guy you don't have to do that with. And, you know, Juju's not going to be a number one wide receiver for a team, in my opinion. It's yep. not going to happen. But, uh, is it number three? Oh my! I mean, like, absolutely. Like, you'd be crazy if you actually watched Juju when he had a real quarterback and a real offense, not the scum that's been out there the last two years for Pittsburgh. And you and you didn't think he could at least be like a, a, a very good high end 
number three, I mean, number even number two type of receiver. Like, there's no question in my mind that that could happen with him. So he's he's another option just in terms of a fit. There are, and we re- bring him up twice, I think, Paul, because it's important for people to understand there are not many players that do the type of things that Chris Godwin does around the league and where you could plug in another player for him or or use them, you know, kind of off of each other in, in person. There's not a lot of players where you could get that variety of skills with. Juju Smith-Schuster's right. one knock is probably that he isn't elite in any one area, or he isn't elite, I should say, as an athlete. He doesn't have elite size or length, and he doesn't have elite speed or loosen or like uh, explosiveness or anything like that. But he does everything pretty well, and like so, Godwin has a little bit better probably in those areas I just mentioned. But you know, he would be kind of the same knock on him is that like is he an elite, you know, athlete or whatever? Right. I mean, he's closer to it than Juju, so he's definitely better. But I, I do think that having Juju's like that is something unique, and it's hard to find in the draft too, Paul. Like that's a hard skill set to find in the draft as a player like that who's ready to contribute out of the gate. Um, you know, Juju was coming out was twenty years old, youngest player in the NFL, putting up a thousand yards and then fourteen hundred yards. He was twenty years old, putting up fourteen hundred yards. You know, and and there was a knowledge of the offense. He could be on the field every play, and it was a knowledge of the offense that carried him. So. I'm very intrigued by that one just because I, the, we've already seen him on the market and we know what's what he's cost basically. And it might be less this season and it might be on a prove it deal too. So um, could be an interesting one. A lot of people want to know about OBJ. We should have just had named the pot after OBJ. We'd have got a thousand people in here watching. I mean, everybody thinks this is a possibility in the off season. Obel, Odell Beckham Jr. was going to be a free agent. The Rams are probably going to try to get him back. I would imagine. I just don't think people realize like Odell Beckham Jr. Market is still going to be a lot better than Juju's and a lot better than Cordero Patterson. Like, yeah, I'm not sure what it'll be because it is a weird situation. He has done well in LA. He has not lit it up in LA or blown the doors off. It's like, it's like a dude goes to a better situation. He was clearly in a bad situation. Like Baker was struggling, no question about that. But sometimes it's like people go to a different situation and people like that are analyzing or watching, especially when a player's been great in the past, like Odell Beckham. They just wait. For the first moment where the player looks like really good. And then they're like, wow, this was such a great move for him. He came back to LA. Like he's changed everything. He's been fine, but he has a 77 yard game, an 88, an 81 yard game. And that's it. Like he hasn't gone over 70 yards in any other game. And he's played now one, two, three. He's played three, four, like 10 games for the Rams. He's not even at a hundred yard game. He's not even hit 90 yards in a game. I'm right. not saying it's all off box score. He's looked good. Yeah, he's looked fine. They scheme him open way. I mean, look at the game against the Bucks, wide open on what two of his first catches, like the biggest catches of the game. Like, yeah, if anybody can make those, but you know what I mean? I'm not saying right. he's bad. I'm just saying he's good. Obviously he's good. It's Joe Dell Beckham Jr. But we still haven't seen anything that indicates he's vintage Odell. He does like Brady. That could play a factor, but I don't think Odell's going to be on like a one-year prove it deal. I think he's trying to go somewhere and play for a while. And that just yeah. changes things for the box. Cause yeah, we talk about, you know, they have cap space. They can do whatever they want, but they want to resign their own guys first. Juju was one of the latest signings last year. So I'm trying to be realistic too, about it just in terms of what's out there and what they could actually sign. Odell Beckham Jr. Would make the bucks better. No question, <laughs> but there's a lot of reasons to wonder if it's a fit. I think personality wise, there's enough red flags out there that I would wonder about that, even though I don't know Odell personally or anything, but more than anything price wise, I just don't know if it would happen. Yeah, I think in free agency, you got to look for value, right? Like, and Juju would be a value kind of signing. Whereas with yeah. Odell, like you said, there's going to be a market. You're going to be paying, not top dollar, but you're going to be competing. There's going to be a competitive thing, right? Like you're going to actually have to use some of your salary cap. So I think you look for value in the free uh, in free agency, and then you take a stab, preferably early in the draft. And in the draft, I would, I know we talked about certain physical attributes that we want from receivers, but to me, like, just go after the absolute best receiver you could find, whatever that might be. And then tailor your offense if needed, right? Um, yeah. And because that's a lot cheaper, and the Bucks have a handful of guys to resign. Plus, you want flexibility. Um, yeah. So that's all I really got to say about that. Yeah. And well, I'm going to talk for a second about the Gronkowski options because we talked a lot about if Brady retires. We need to talk about if Gronkowski were to retire. But first, this is an unbelievable opportunity for people too this weekend that I will be participating and will be participating in. Right now, with Underdog Fantasy, you have a great offer, right? You can, first of all, you sign up at Underdog Fantasy, which takes a second and is awesome. The interface is great. The app is easy to use. The app on your phone is wonderful. It'll double your first deposit with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. They double your first deposit up to $100. The other great part of it is once you've done that and gotten your doubled deposit at Underdog Fantasy, 
They're also giving you another opportunity to basically get yourself some free money here. There's only three games left in the NFL season, and you know, count the Pro Bowl four, I guess. But the, the championship games this Sunday, here's what they're giving you. If you would like to go in and do a pick, pick two, pick three, pick four, pick five, with player stat lines, over-under player stat lines that Underdog Fantasy provides, they are giving you one of those picks for free. Jamar Chase over one receiving yard in the game. If Jamar Chase basically for free. If they get if he gets over one receiving yard in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday at 3 p.m., then you already got your pick one to hit. Now, if you do a pick two, you put in, you could win double the amount of money that you put in. Or if you do up to a pick five, you could win 20 times the amount of that you, money that you put in. And you've already got one right. So you really only need to get four right to get 20 times the amount of money you put in. Awesome deal with Underdog Fantasy. You can also mix and match. You could bet on, you would put Jamar Chase in there and you can go with the fights or something. You know, you could do uh, basketball, NBA, like I'm a big NBA guy, NHL, whatever. You can, you can come combine them and, and build your pick them slips. Uh, and you can use uh, the Chase one if you haven't used the didn't use the the Diggs one, the Stephon Diggs one, or the Debo Samuel ones in the past couple of weeks. You can use this uh, Jamar Chase one uh, as well to get yourself some money. So it's an awesome opportunity. Head on over to Underdog Fantasy. They also have Sunday contests and best ball leagues and tournaments to get into and all that kind of good stuff. So Underdog Fantasy, the way to go. I can't recommend them enough. I love it. Double your first deposit with that promo code Pewter P E W T E R. Once you're signed up, get yourself involved in some of those over under pickums. They're great stuff. The possibilities of Gronkowski retiring to me seem greater than the possibilities of Tom Brady retiring. And the possibilities of Tom Brady retiring are real, probably. Right. Um, Gronkowski said in an interview with TMZ that if he had to decide right now, he would retire. But he doesn't, and he's going to take time, about a month, maybe less, we'll see, to see how his body feels and see if it changes his mind and all those kind of things. That's interesting to me because it tells me he's definitely already kind of thinking about the direction he's going. Now he's already retired once, so maybe that doesn't matter for him. <laughs> maybe he can just you know turn, flip the switch and he's coming back. Um, and that may be the case. And Brady's decision may affect that as well. So we'll just have to see what Gronk says uh, here in the coming weeks. Um, there's no question that that's notable. Arians has gone most of his career as an offensive mind in the NFL. He had Heath Miller early on with Pittsburgh, but even Heath was like very much in line tight end underneath tight end, you know, Pittsburgh people blow him up, but he was pretty ordinary talent in terms of talent. Um, I don't know that the bucks would go after another difference maker at tight end. Maybe if Brady really wanted it in the draft, it's a pretty deep draft at tight end. They would probably draft somebody, but I don't know that they would go into the season saying we have to get a difference maker at tight end. Which to me, Paul, would just say that, okay, then go out and get Juju. You have to go get somebody. Use the money you would have spent on Gronk. Get three blocking tight ends if you want. Guys that can catch underneath, be a factor in the red zone for cheap. Fine, you can do that. Get a rookie in there. Great. Get Cam Brady in there for his last year, playing at a couple mil. If you think Brady still has it, I know you and I are pretty down at him. Get a blocking tight end somewhere like Max Williams, who's a free agent, who's going to be next to nothing to, to sign coming off an injury. And then get yourself a rookie tight end. And just go through, but you have to get a difference maker wide receiver three now. Like, and you have to go spend some money and then draft somebody too because you need more weapons on offense. Do you, do you feel that way as well about the Bucks offense? I do. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, evolutions, just thinking about how Gronk's role has changed in this offense, right? <laughs> yeah. Last year, starting very in line. And we talked yeah. about this with Mark. A big part of that was one, uh, Mark's point was that they maybe didn't trust Werfs as much yet. They didn't realize that he's just this absolute stud who can just yep. handle anybody one-on-one. And then another part of it was the running back pass protection, right? So they basically felt that they need to keep, keep in Gronk more often to block than they did this year, where the Leonard Fournette really stepped up as a pass protector. And then that allowed Arians to flex his tie down out more often. And like you said, it's been more of an inline role, like last year, very inline. So that would be, if if Gronk is gone, then it's also tricky because neither of neither Brayton nor Howard are good blocking tight ends, right? Like they're guys that you would naturally flex Howard's, out. Howard's a free agent, so he out too. Okay, okay, yeah, he gone too, yeah. Right, okay, so Bray, but Bray yeah. not really a great blocking tight end, <laughs> right. and then and you really need that ability, especially because the core concepts in this offense are like five seven step drop, max protection, wadded up. Let's you know, give our guy time and launch it down the field. Nine, eight, nine, mm -hmm. perfect example of that. Right. So your guy has to be able to block. And if, if they don't get anybody at tight, if Gronk is gone, if they don't get a replacement for break, then, then they might really look different. If Arians wants to like try to optimize it mm -hmm. for his roster, where maybe you even go, if you find a good wide receiver, maybe you become like a, 
10 personnel type of team more often. Obviously, yeah. you don't base out of it, right? But you become more, you use it more. So that could be another way that it really changes. Four wideouts. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that kind of, you know, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but that does bring me to this other kind of criticism, I guess, I have of Arians is I, Maybe you could change my mind on this, but I feel like he hasn't been as quick or willing to adapt as maybe he should be. And we talked about this with using Tyler Johnson as plug and play for Godwin, as opposed to looking at your personnel and trying to re-optimize. Or then maybe even not waiting too long before you started flexing out Gronk last year, these type of things. Not that these evolutions don't happen. They certainly do. Maybe just it's a, I feel like Arians' approach is more like I'm going to look for guys who fit in my offense rather than I'm going to change my offense for who I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's exactly right. So, which is why his offenses have always found talent. He's always gotten the best out of players. That's probably his best trade as a coach. He's gotten the best out of players and coaches. And his offenses have always had talent or made guys work. I mean, like John Brown, he was good other places, but he was good in Arizona. Like he found, you know, um, Floyd, Ma- Michael Floyd, you know, he was good in Arizona, but like it wasn't like he was like, you know, these guys had great, productive, crazy years and same with quarterbacks, too, to some reason. Like, you know, he, he's he's gotten the most out of players for sure, I think. Uh, but he does give them lots of opportunities. So, yes, he gets the highs from them. But unless they're consistently dominant, like a G- Evans or a Godwin or somebody like that or an A.B., then there's these fluctuations to his offense, right? Like you see these fluctuations and you see what happens when there's no talent. It's, you know, the New Orleans game and and, and other playoff performance against the Rams. You know, that basically right. happens. And so. Point. Yeah, you get some of that those results. So no, I think you're exactly right. He's got to have more kind of arrows in the quiver, basically. I think moving forward, that part is probably not that likely to happen at this point <laughs> in who Arians is. So you know his weakness is going to be that probably, like in, you know in season adaptability. If he loses personnel, which is why I emphasize so much that I think this team needs to go into next year actually loaded at wide out, not fake loaded at wide. They were fake loaded at wide out this season. We we all we thought it. We saw Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller last year. We still believe in Scotty, but like it's not. It wasn't happen. fake Coaches. when AB was there. Like, oh yeah, it was no. The top yeah. three were great. Yeah, 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 top three were great. Everybody after that, though, as soon as an injury happened, team that plays this much out of eleven with three wide receivers on the field, yeah, it just the consensus with insane. those guys was like we thought they were better than they were, basically. The exactly guys. right, yeah. and that can't be the case. So you got to have people that you know, either like you said, high end trades guys in the draft. Or Juju, or Cordero Patterson, somebody who's proven, who you know is going to step in, play a role, do well, do their job, open things up for other people, like allow other people to flourish in their roles, not allow other teams to just concentrate on one or two aspects of what you do. And if you lose Gronk, that change, like that, puts just more of an emphasis on me because the, here's the reality, Paul: tight end is one of the slowest starting positions in the NFL. Like if you draft one, there's hardly anybody hitting the ground running like Cal Pitts. It just takes time for that position in the nfl it's very different than how most tight ends are used in college you usually have to block a lot more if you blocked a lot in college you usually suck as a receiver so you have to learn that aspect of stuff it's just very different so whoever even if they drafted somebody it's unlikely that guy would come in and be a baller right away for them so you gotta you gotta get some vets you trust that can block and do the job at tight end even if it isn't flashy and you've got to get crazy talented a wide receiver that's yep. that's to me the process you get a vet that you can rely on somebody like a Juju or Patterson draft a rookie high, develop that guy, have him play a role, use four wide receivers, whoever your wide receiver five, six are. If it's the amongst the group that's there now, get, they get better in year three or four, whatever it is for, for the, whoever it is. Um, to me, that's how this offense thrives moving forward. I think the question I have for you, Paul, and you can build on that if you want, but the question I really have for you, and we do have some super chats here. Let me get to you really quick as we wrap up, uh, Leo with a $2 super chat. Did the Bucs lead the league in drops this year? No, they did not, Leo. We appreciate the super chat. They did not lead the league in drops. They did have some drops. Uh, Jonah wants to know about Sammy Watkins. Jeez, I love vintage Sammy Watkins, but I, I feel like he's basically MIA. Where is he even playing? Is he Baltimore? Is he out for the year? I, I don't even know what happened with Sammy Watkins this year. Jeez, I don't even remember. Um, but, I mean, ideal. I, yeah, if Sammy Watkins were cheap, like it's not. But it, it, can he stay healthy? You know, he's, he's definitely falling off at this point. I don't know. Like, and somebody said, Juju. Really like a, a burner, right? And nor was he like, he was a burner, but okay. Yeah, he was a burner, but that was a minute ago. And he's been okay. through a lot of injuries, especially with his lower body. Um, right. So I, I don't know. He might hang it up. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, we're talking cheap, cheap, like a couple mil. Okay. Uh, Juju might be a better option than Julio Jones. Yeah. I mean, buddy, Julio Jones might be cooked. Like that trade for Tennessee could not have worked out worse. Didn't win a playoff game. 
like big yikes, dude. Like his production was nothing. Like, he looked didn't even look like Julio Jones anymore. That was the weirdest one seed one of seat. all time. I mean, unreal. How about Emmanuel Sanders or Crowder? I think Sanders is cooked. Crowder is too small, slot only. Not a not a Bucks fit or option at all. I'm I'm not blaming people for asking these, and we do appreciate the super chats. I'm just trying to be as clear. Like that's somebody I don't even think they would look at uh, somebody like that. Um, Someone threw up Cooks. Offense. That would be great. Brandon Cooks. What if they can get him? Yeah, Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Now again, yeah. fit wise, I don't know. He's small. But that well, dude is – I mean, he just had a great season with a bunch of circus clowns throwing him the ball. He would play on the outside if in this offense. Like, yeah. he would be that Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown kind of guy. But, mm-hmm. like, he and Brady were incredible in 2017. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he went down in that Super Bowl, it was like, oof. I mean, obviously, they still put up a ton of points. But, like, that guy and Brady were unbelievable together. And he's just – that's just because he's a great receiver. It's not really, right. You know. appreciate, yeah, for sure. Appreciate these Super Chats, Arnie, with the $10 Super Chat as well. Last question I'll ask you, Paul, as we get out of here um is just is this one but first let me i i would be remiss if i didn't say that there's an opportunity here for people we've talked over done all this talking about money and there's an opportunity for people to figure out uh, how they can uh, save some money and enjoy it in their retirement and it's brought to you by our friends over at immuni financial at amuni financial we help you live in the now congratulations we're so happy thank you. you thank you and even though the now may feel very different you still need to plan for the future how's retirement treating you Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amy Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Immuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage, and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immuni at 800-868-6864 or visit immuni.com. Paul, uh, I gotta also mention this because they are one of our one of my favorite and one of our best advertisers and been with us for a long time. Our friends over at Pin Chasers, this is a place to go if you're looking this weekend, whether you want to go down there for the games that are happening on Sunday or just something to do with the family on Friday and Saturday. There's no playoff games on Saturday this week. So if you're getting to looking to do something with the family, go down to Pin Chasers, bowling food and fun. Check out you can have birthday parties there. There's bowling leagues you can join there. There's three different locations you can see on the screen. East Pasco, Midtown, Veterans in Tampa area. You can go down and check them out, and their food is unbelievable. Again, all you can eat pizza night. They serve breakfast all day anytime. It's a great opportunity to, to get yourself some fun with the family, some bowling, and some great food as well with our friends at Pin Chasers. Here's my question for you, Paul, to finish things off on the show today. Offensively, you have talked a little bit this year about the Bucks compressing. Like The offense is just compressed. There's not enough to it. Can you explain a little bit for people what you mean by that and how you think they can fix it moving forward next year? Yeah, I would say it's more than anything. It was an observation. I don't feel confident enough to say it's a criticism, right? Because it's not necessarily a bad thing. But here's here's kind of what I noticed. It's that as the year went on, they really they start the menu of plays became a lot smaller. Like it was the same kind of stuff you'd see like multiple times every game, 99 tier, you know, drive and yeah, whatever. There's just like a handful of concepts you'd see over and over and over again. And my concern was, and this happened kind of to Green Bay, is when you do play with such a limited selection in the playoffs, when teams are really game planning hard for you, and not only that, but you're playing against the best defenses and the best coordinators, do they figure out how to take advantage of that? It The Bucks. I haven't gone through the Rams tape yet, so I, I don't know if exactly if that was an issue there, but that did seem like a thing where fewer play calls and that was also kind of always Peyton Manning's kind of thing too. Like it was always a very simple offense, which mm-hmm. I don't know if people know that. Like he he was famous for having a very simple offense, but his thing was he was going to go up tempo, call it all at the line, and most importantly, he did a really good job of having counters off of those simple concepts. So to me, I would like I don't mind having a simple offense. And to be fair, like the run game really, uh, or the pass play action game really pairs well with the run game and that sort of thing. But within the pass game itself, I feel like the Bucks could do a better job of countering their main concepts. Like they have a family of trees with nine, eight, nine. They counter that play very well. They have, mm-hmm. they have the base concept, they have the counter. 
It's for the other stuff. It's yeah, I, I feel like they could be maybe doing a little bit more, but I don't feel confident enough to say that that's an actual issue. It's mm. just more of an observation than anything. Right. Could be something they need to look into. It could be something that we talked about this with the run game going into last year, and then they did. They diversified a lot of what they did in the run game and added some literal counters and yeah. uh, figured to what they were doing in the run game as well. Uh, last and, question we'll get to $5 Super Tat from Jay Oggs. Uh, if Brady retires... Do the Bucs even consider bringing Jameis back? Ironically, probably makes sense for both sides. And no, I'm not an FSU Jameis fan. I'm not totally going to rule it out, honestly. Like, I'm not saying I've heard anything. I've heard nothing about this. He's not going to be their top option for sure. Um, I wouldn't totally rule it out. I also don't know if there's any bad blood there. I'm not saying there is. I just have no clue. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to see. I mean, if if Brady retires and Rodgers is going to Green Bay or going to Denver retiring, then, yeah, I mean, because Russell Wilson might be staying in Seattle, so he might be off the table. And then you get to the Derek Carr, is he available? Kirk Cousins, is he available? I think he probably will be. But would you rather do that than somebody like Jameis, who you know at least fits schematically for some things? You, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I really have no clue. I don't. Last year, there was basically no market for Jameis. Coming off an injury, I don't know what it's going to look like. So bringing him into the fold to compete. If there's no bad blood, maybe. I, I really don't know. It's I. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, obviously he's played in the offense before, so there's familiarity, but I don't think he was honest, like despite the uh, huge volume numbers, I don't think he was a terrific fit. Um, oh, the yeah. main reason is this offense really needs a smart quarterback who can read very quickly and get the ball out on time. Too often he would lock into that first read and be late on his releases. And that's such a, that's why he had all those interceptions is when you're yeah. such a vertical offense, that's going to push the ball downfield. You need to be able to get off of that first read immediately. And if you, if something with the cornerbacks alignment is off, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And Brady, he can get through his third read before he's even done his drop step. Like that's right. you obviously now it's really hard to get a guy like that, but that's kind of what this offense demands. That's exactly right. So it should be prefaced when the Bucks off when Jameis's peak plays were a great fit. Like he could physically do a lot of the things that the Bucks offense wanted him to do. Mentally, though, yeah, it never clicked for him at the speed that it needed to in this offense. To be fair, that's kind of been an issue with Arians quarterbacks until Brady, basically, is that, that yeah. a lot of sacks, a lot of interceptions. Jameis took that to a whole nother level. And if you watch his tape, whole another level than those guys were on. So like it was even a bigger concern there. Maybe your New Orleans changed or grew him. Maybe they changed some things around. I mean. Again, not taking it off the table. I think it's highly unlikely if other options don't present themselves possibly, but I doubt it. Uh, Leo, any chance we get James White? Appreciate the Super Chat and all the Super Chats, Leo. Wow, great. Like four or five Super Chats today. Don't think James White is coming to Tampa Bay. James White may actually be retiring. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, just coming off a of season ending, I don't think he played hardly at all this year, most of the year anyway. So, we'll see what happens. He's getting up there, and it could be time for him to hang it up as well. So, we'll see. We appreciate y'all. This was great. Next week, we're live at the Senior Bowl. Myself, Casey, and Matt will be traveling to the Senior Bowl next Monday. So I bet you'll see Paul, or sorry, you'll be see, probably see uh, Scott and, and maybe JC on the show on Monday. I'm um, holding it down for y'all. And we'll be on our way traveling to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. And then you're going to have Senior Bowl coverage from us at the Senior Bowl. We're going to be live doing shows there, talking about stuff, talking about the players, talking about fits with the Bucs. I already have a bunch. You'll see content up at some point as well on some of these players. So it's going to be good stuff. It's going to be great. So we're moving into draft season. It's exciting. It's fun. We're ready to start jumping. This is your bread and butter, tape. John. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I was start watching some guys last night, watching some more today. I'm excited. Yeah. I don't know if this is a great class or not, but it's actually might be a good class at exactly the positions the Bucks need other than defensive tackle. So that could be aligning nicely for the Bucks. We'll see. But all that content is coming. Promise you, please, before you get out of here, like the show, subscribe on PeterReport.com if you can as well. They're on Pewter Report, the YouTube channel as well. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We'll catch you again next week on another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out.